0: Matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now here's your host, Dr. Peter
1: Sacco. Welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. That would be myself, Dr. Peter Sacco, and my co-host, Todd Miller, who is also the wonderful producer of the show because he is a sexy guy. <laughs>
0: I don't know. We've never turned our cameras on. You have no idea. No, we have we have met several times in person. So, uh, yes, thank you very much for that. And uh, and May Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're doing our best to bring a positive light and share some great information and have some wonderful guests about this uh, topic that impacts more and more people.
1: Absolutely. And with this Mental Health Month, we have a lot of people tuning in, which is great. First time listeners, hope you continue to stay with us for this tremendous journey and. Kudos to Todd Miller for bringing this awesome show out each and every week because it is the one and only one of its kind to be precise in all of Canada that focuses on mental health matters.
0: You know, there's so many, um, as I'm learning as time goes on, there are so many things that fall under the umbrella of mental health. I mean, there's uh, dementia, there's uh, Alzheimer's, there's depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, addiction, Uh, there's just... No end of topics, and I don't mean to sound that uh, make it sound very trite or anything, but it, it just it just boggles my mind what an impact this show has because it can impact and influence and inform so many people.
1: Absolutely, Todd, and you know what? Anybody out there listening, um, whether it be yourself, a loved one, or just out of curiosity factor. As we really do preach on this show, it is matters of the mind, which means anything that is on your mind, no matter how big it is or how small it is, if it's a concern or a matter to you, especially if it is a mental health disorder, an illness, uh, a disease, whatever it is, we want to bring it to you each and every week, talk about it. And with that said, we are so excited uh, because over the last week, we have now uh, brought a on board uh, to our shows each and every week now, you will be hearing from Abuse Hurts, which is one of the most amazing organizations in Canada, North America, and right across the globe. And we're going to bring one of our regular friends back onto our show, uh, Sanderson Ling, who is the uh, basically the founder of it.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to. Um, they had they had a wonderful program um, that you know more about than than I. Um, that unfortunately has has met uh, an untimely end. Uh, the broadcasting industry is really changing. We know that it's in flux. Everything's moving online. Everything's becoming quicker, shorter, faster, and um, so we'd really like to help the uh, CCAA out and uh, and again put a, a spotlight on all of their great work so that um, more people know about what it is that they do.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, what Todd is discussing is Living Clean, Living Well, which was a tremendous uh, TV show that was uh, created by Glenn Allen, and then eventually uh, the torch is picked up by Sanderson Lang, who is the found, as I said, the founding director of Abuse Hurts International, um, and the wonderful, very talented host Teresa Cruz, which I just contacted her and I told her, uh, Todd. Uh, we've had Teresa on the show before, and they've had me on their show uh, countless times. So hopefully, we'll have Teresa on as a guest at some point later on down the road again.
0: And we would really appreciate if if anyone listening could share share the show. We put a podcast out every week. Uh, it's generally available on Thursday. Uh, it's on our SoundCloud player. It's really easy to share with friends and family and people you don't even know. I mean, really, post it on your on your fa- Facebook page because you never know. And this is one of the things we try and remove the stigma, but there are so many people that are still suffering in silence uh, because they're worried that mental um, illness is something that's taboo. And we're really trying to tell people it's it affects more people than you realize. And the more we share it and the more that we... Um, let people know that it's happening. And we've had some pretty high profile guests, uh, you know, namely Joe Pantaleano was one of the biggest. I mean, here's a guy that's in Hollywood, you know, A list actor. He's been in so many different great movies and he suffered and he suffered in silence for a long time. And now he's finally coming out and saying, you know what? No kidding, Me Too is the name of his documentary and website. And he's saying, I got it and uh, I, I'm managing, I'm doing well with it.
1: Absolutely. Joe is a wonderful awesome guy, and he's just going to be in my neck of the woods in less than four weeks. And as you said, Todd, there's a lot of uh, people, celebrities that we've had on our show that have had issues themselves, and then there's those that have lived with those that have the issues, and we got a great guest today. Actually, um, I was a semi-fan of the TV series The Nanny with the amazing... uh, Fran Drescher. Uh, then there was the, I believe it was called the Nanny Diaries with Scarlett Johansson. And wow, Scarlett Johansson! <laughs> uh, need I say more? So <laughs> I like. I really like that movie. And uh, now there's a great book, actually called The Nanny and Me, uh, written by Florence and Romano, who is going to be our guest today. But also, what's really interesting about um, uh, Florence ann is that um, a lot of her work has been inspired by her younger brother who has um, autism. And she has done tremendous stuff as being the founder and president of a junior board that supports an awareness for children, adults, and families touched by autism. And she will be our tremendous guest today, talking about her book, The Nanny and Me, but also what it's like to be a nanny.
0: More incredible information on autism. Um, And, you know, in the headlines this week... Uh, you probably read about it. I think it was American Airlines, and uh, they kicked a family off a flight because of um, the autistic daughter was um, doing some stimming and stemming, so again, you know making some external manifestations and n- noises that I guess upset some of the other passengers, but they understood, but it was actually the the pilot of the plane that kicked them off so not good, not good news for autism this week.
1: You know what I was kind of. Huh really vexed by that whole situation, because um, I wondered, something did flash through my mind, what if, Todd, if somebody had a very profound cough, continual cough, chronic cough, yep. or kept sneezing on an airplane, would they remove them for that reason?
0: No, and, and you know, or someone with um, uh, Tourette's, you know, where they're, it's, it's a, it's a, malfunctioning part of your brain that causes these external noises to happen and there's really nothing that can be done I believe there's some medicines we've we've covered that before but again it's really out of the 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 hands of the person that's got it so I don't know you know I would see some people maybe seeing someone with Tourette's as maybe having some sort of antisocial personality and maybe they go "Oh, this guy's kind of crazy we got to get him off the flight but I don't know it was really a sad sad thing to see
1: absolutely you know the problem is and i've always said this a lot of times it is ignorance people that don't know that are not aware um, of various types of mental disorders and the manifestations of the symptoms that are coming out and then people are really quick to judge uh... with very little information based on stereotypes which by the way um, if you look at a stereotype what it is is a shortcut to a perception and oftentimes a misperception and my point was that you know, if somebody's coughing away, sneezing away, it's like, oh, okay, they must have an actual disorder. Well, guess what? The person that does have autism, does have traits; they have a disorder just as well.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll uh, talk more about that right after the break. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio, online at talk-radio.ca.
2: The music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is hand-picked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green.
1: Peter Andrew Sacco and do you have technological rage oh yeah the new rage of anger download my new book today technological rage on my website www.petersacco.com and learn what technological rage is and how it is sweeping people today leading to online dating anger Texting anger and social online networking forms. Hmm, did you ever think you might get angry texting, Facebooking, or online dating? Maybe you never thought it would happen to you, or maybe you know somebody that has this and you just need to understand it a little more.
0: Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco.
1: Well, hello there and welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us. And what is mattering most to us right now are nannies. You got it. Um... Huh. I talked about it earlier before. Love the show, The Nanny, back in the day, starring Fran Drescher and then The Nanny Diaries. So, we thought it'd be a really cool uh, notion to bring a real life nanny who wrote a book about nannies, uh, a great book, uh, which has just come out this month called The Nanny and Me. And the author is Florence N. Romano, who is from, I believe, Chicago. Is that correct, Florence? That's correct. So you're in a windy city, but I'll bet you we are a lot windier today than you are in Niagara Falls here. Uh,
3: that's a safe bet, except you, know, you never know. It's 80, 40, you never know what you're going to get <laughs> in Chicago. So it's a safe bet to say you're probably windier than
2: us right now.
1: Very cool. So you have written this really cool book called The Nanny and Me, which is a modern-day Mary Poppins who wants kids to look forward to the time they spend with their new friends and most of all wants them to feel loved which would be the nanny. So before we get right into your book you started out as a nanny yourself when you were what, just 12 years of age? That's correct,
3: just 12 years old. I started as a what they call a mommy's helper. So you get to watch the mommy, uh, how she interacts with the children and kind of what their routine is so you can get used to being a nanny and get used to being a babysitter and and seeing uh, how that world works, uh, so I started very young.
1: Now, when you got into being a nanny, um, the whole notion, was it a an aspiration, like, you know, normally somebody's twelve years old, it's like, okay, I want to babysit, I want to make some extra money, mm-hmm. uh, spending money and that kind of stuff, but you just went, instead of the babysitting, right into the nanny. Was it like just a choice of your own, or was it something that you were thrown into?
3: It was definitely my choice. I was one of those little girls who wanted to go to the toy store to pick up a baby doll every week. And I used to call the toy store a hospital because I thought I was going to the hospital to have my baby, (laughs) to go pick up my baby. That's what that's where they came from. And so I've always loved children from a very young age. And so when uh, it was time for me to start thinking about getting a job, you know, get some responsibility. That's what my parents wanted, um, for us as children was to to have a sense of responsibility and discipline. Um, I thought nannying or babysitting would be the best thing for me to start doing. So it was definitely by choice. And once I started babysitting, uh, for these families, I just absolutely fell in love with it and that just parlayed into my work as a nanny.
0: So you had that appreciation of the difference um, at that young age of of the differences between babysitting and nannying, because I guess in some respects, babysitters have a limited term engagement. You know, they're they're filling in during dinner or maybe there's a crisis and someone needs to go out for a bit. But nannying is a is a big time commitment. No.
3: Oh, absolutely. It is. And. You, you really become a part of that family you do you become uh, a real staple around around those children and those parents and they, they you're an extension of the parents I always say that a nanny is the mom's uh, mom and dad's mom's I'm sorry at least say that the parent is the mom and dad's eyes ears and heart and that's really an extension of, of the parenting and so when you go from babysitting where you're just spending like you said that isolated time with the child to really being a part of their growth and taking them to all the events that they're doing to doing their homework with them to putting them to sleep to making dinner for them you are really a part of their everyday life and you're watching everything that you're doing in the same sense that a parent would be
1: you you know it's really interesting okay this is where I'm going to kind of do comparison here to the the movie have you I don't know Florence? have you seen the nanny diaries absolutely (laughs) absolutely. I really love I love the movie because I'm a big Scarlett Johansson fan. Um, and with that said, okay. So if you remember the the parents who were played, the, the parents of the rich, you know, they were the rich parents. Laura Linney and Paul Giamatti played them, and basically, Laura Linney was one of these hoity-toity, uh, rich New York, um, you know, members of society that basically was totally unemotionally detached from her little boy. And then finally, Scarlett Johansson is the nanny that they hire, and she basically is more of a mother to the child than Laura Linney's character has ever been. So, do you find that in the real world that a lot of parents hire nannies basically to be substitute parents because they're too busy or they just do not want to invest emotional time?
3: I think that's a great question. I think that is so significant to the to the times. I, I think it's twofold, really. I I think. The stereotype of nannies um, has changed uh, a bit uh, from what people see in the movies, like for the nanny diaries example so you you look. At that, and you think that that's what a nanny is. You think that's the role a nanny plays in the life. It's just for the wealthy. It's just for that echelon um, in New York, and that may have been true of the times, you know, not even 10 years ago. But it really has changed because now, when you look at the workforce, 60% of families in America have a nanny or a babysitter or a caretaker for their children because the parents are working, and either that's by choice or because that's the desire of the the mom or the dad or whatever the dynamic of that family is so in the case of of that story yes the the nanny was raising that child and really replaced the parents because they were they were pretty absentee but in my cases where i was taking care of the children i was definitely not replacing their parents that was one of my big um Mantras that I would say over and over again to them is that I am not a replacement of the parenting. Parenting still needs to happen at home. I'm just an extension for you. I'm another another person that your children can look at and find comfort in and be able to find guidance. I've always said I looked at myself as a godmother. in that way to, to children is that you want um, them to have an example in front of them as someone who is going to teach them right from wrong and love and protect them and and that's what I think a godparent does. And so you can't just look at the nanny stereotype and think that that's what it's like throughout the entire country because it's no longer that way. A nanny is working in all different types of homes and different socioeconomic statuses. So um, in, in my case, I was never replacing the parent, but I'm sure in some homes that is exactly the case. And I'm not here to judge what happens in, in every family and every home. It's, it's whatever is best for them. But if you are doing that, if you are hiring a nanny to replace you as the parent, then that's an entirely different set of, of rules and regulations that you're going to have in your family and expectations. So just like hiring anyone for a job, you're going to need to be very specific about what you need and what you expect for your family and what you expect from that nanny.
0: You know, when listening to you talk about it, I'm um, grateful for someone like you who gets it, who has that godparent Mentality, Because while you're only there for a limited period of time, and again, for each family, it's different. It's someone, some have live-in nannies. Some of them have people that visit for a few hours a day. Um, it's grateful to me hearing you say, I get it. I understand it. And it's not just a temporary relationship where I just come in and do a few things and leave and and i have seen in my limited experience with nannies that there are families that hire them specifically to be the caregivers the the rule givers during the time the parents aren't there and even replace the parents for whatever reason you know dad's got a high paying job that he really loves and and that jazzes him and so that is a sad aspect of it but you would kind of hope that they would get someone like you who says fine i'm willing to pick up the slack
3: yes i you know i i hope that Every nanny has my mentality about it, but I don't think my way is the right way. My way is not the most perfect way. Every nanny has their own idea behind what they think is going to make a family work when they go to that interview. And and I always say that when you interview that nanny, you have to have the children involved. They have to be involved in that process because you need to see how the nanny interacts with the kids. You need to see how the kids interact with the nanny. The person you're going to take the cue from is that child. The child's going to tell you everything you need to know about that caregiver they have that sense they just know they they can connect or disconnect very easily and you know kids don't have a filter so they say things sometimes too where you're just like okay i totally get it so it needs to be a family decision and it needs to work it needs to really work for that family and i took my job very seriously i did everything with an element of fun obviously because you know that's you want children to grow up and be educated in a fun way but it was It was a very serious job. When you're handed a three-week-old baby, and this is the most priceless possession for this family, and they are under your care, that's, there's nothing more honorable than that. I, I don't know that I've had a bigger honor than that in my life than a family looking at me saying, I trust you with the thing that means the most to me, the person that means the most to me in my life, where I would walk through fire for them, and I'm giving them to you, and I just met you. So I think that is a, it's, a, it's a super, super responsibility. And uh, I think every nanny, every babysitter, caretaker needs to come from that point of view, realizing what, what they're entering into. And it's something magnificent, but it, it also comes with a lot of responsibility.
1: So, Florence, the question that I would find intriguing is, where is the fine line or boundaries between the nanny and the children i e it's almost like school teachers the bottom line is the school teachers throughout the course of a week generally spend more time with kids than their own parents do because the parents are busy working doing all this other stuff especially weekends which are frantic parents are doing other stuff as well kids are doing their activities and that stuff so in a household where the nanny is because the nanny is actually in the house and not the teacher at the school what happens if a child over bonds to the nanny and actually starts to view the nanny as well? Wow, you're actually closer to me than my own parents or mom. How would you deal with that? Do you draw a fine line in the sand? Do you consult with the parents and says, "Hey, this is getting a little too close for me here. This, you know, you're going to lose. You're losing the respect of your kids or the connection."
3: I think that's an excellent an excellent question because that is something every babysitter or nanny will encounter. And I want I, I want parents to be aware of something that I feel is, is very necessary to know when you when you have a nanny in your life. You want that child to bond with that nanny, with that babysitter because that person is going to be such an important part of their life, an important piece of their everyday life and is going to help shape them and their personalities and their, their goals in their life. And so you do want to nurture that relationship between your child and your nanny. I, I really urge parents to not get competitive with with the nanny. Um, it, it sometimes can be hard. I've seen it firsthand for, you know, moms and dads to see that bond developing where the nanny leaves and they cry because they don't want her to go. But I promise you, after a couple tears there, they're going to be so happy to see mom and dad come home or whatever the dynamics of, of the family is, whoever's coming home. They'll be so happy to see you. And they And they love you too, so I, I urge the competition not to exist as hard as that is, and you do have to work at it. there shouldn't be a competition there because it should be a united front. The parents and the nannies standing together, saying to those children, we love you. We are here to create these beautiful memories for you, and sometimes I'm going to be in here, and sometimes she's going to be here, and it's not a competition. But if that does happen, where you start to see that the child is bonding more so to the nanny than the child, and that's becoming hurtful to the parent, I... I would suggest that the nanny does go to the parents, because I, I completely believe in transparency in every way, shape, and form when it comes to hiring a nanny. That you can go and sit down with the parents and say, I just think maybe a little more quality time would be would be great if you could spend with, you know, little Johnny or little Alice or whatever it is, because they they seem to need a little bit more attention um, at home when I'm not here. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. I think you can absolutely do that, depending on your relationship with the parents, which I hope is, like I said a transparent one, which is a very you know safe one, uh, candid place to speak. Then you should be able to do that with no problem, and as long as you're communicating about that. There shouldn't be an issue in terms of competition between the nanny and the parent, but it is a real it is a real possibility when the child is spending as much time with that person. But like I said, the parent should encourage that bond to grow between the, the child and the nanny because that's only going to help the child. and the child's the most important part of the equation.
0: And it, it sounds like um, you know with, with nannies, sometimes they may have uh, parental experience, sometimes they may not. But it may be a question of the parents. And as you said, during the interview process, the parents are going to want to sit down with the child and the nanny, the potential nanny, and talk about rules. You know, so when mommy and daddy aren't here, then the nanny is in charge and the nanny decides what can happen. Um, you know, and then by virtue of that fact that they're spending so much time together, um, you know, they're going to have to discipline at some point in time and you know it could be a little difficult but i think that's a conversation that needs to happen about so that there's a, a torch passing passing the relay torch when the mom gets home or the dad gets home and the nanny is starting to leave that there's a seamless transition
3: absolutely you are an extension of their values you are an extension of their discipline and it's not up to you the nanny to decide what the family rules are you're you're stepping into a family right. so you you need to Adhere to what, what's the standard? What these parents have worked at making sure is happening in the household, Um, because that's your job. Your, Your your job is to make sure that these children are being raised with the values and principles of the parents. That doesn't mean that you, the nanny, don't put your two cents in or don't help kind of guide different situations where maybe the parent isn't exactly sure how to handle it. Maybe it's a first-time parent. Maybe they're going through a difficult transition with a teenage child. And you're, you're working on parenting together. But you do need to be an extension of what already exists in that family. Um, and that's very important because you have to remember those still aren't your children. Those, you're not raising them to be your kids. You're, you are helping them uh, in their growth and in their development, um, be the children of the parents. And your influence is very important, but you are not the parent. And and that's important that the parents know that you understand that and that you understand that as the nanny.
0: One quick um, follow-up about your point about the nanny telling the parents perhaps they needed to spend more time. There's there's a couple of ways to deliver that message as I was thinking about it. And it could be even saying that the child has told me they'd love mom or dad to do something with me more often, um, instead of just saying to the parent, I think you need to spend more time with the kid. (laughs)
3: Sure. Oh gosh, I believe, oh yeah, I believe in tact, absolutely, it's all about tact, You, I would never just come right out and say, hey, you're not spending enough time with your kid, and this is, you know, this is getting to be a problem, I would, I would never do that, and I don't suggest that anyone do that, because that's, that's not the, that's not the way to have an adult conversation, um, like you said, suggesting an activity that maybe they do together that the child has suggested, and if the child hasn't suggested it, the nanny could suggest it, you know the child well enough to be able to suggest something that they enjoy doing. Um, So having that candid conversation is is perfectly acceptable, but making sure that you're wording that in in a very polite way is very important.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm guessing, you know, uh, the last thing you want is that sort of competition or the fact that, you know, it's got to be really disgruntling to a parent if a child at some point, displays the notion that, hey, the nanny actually listens to me more and gets me, and vice versa, and the parents start to catch on to this, which I guess leads me then to your book, The Nanny and Me, which, correct, Florence, is out this month. Can you it just t- came out
2: last week. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Thank, so you. It, Thank you. So it's a story about a young girl, correct? Can you tell us about the gist of it?
3: Sure. Uh, I wrote the story based on my experiences as a former nanny, and I wanted it to be told from the child's perspective because I wanted the parents to be able to read this along with their child before that transition in their family is going to happen, to use it as a tool, to use it as an educational tool so the parents and the child understand what's about to happen, that this person is coming into our lives, coming into our family to provide so many beautiful memories and fun and take care of you and love you. And even though it's a children's book, told from the child's perspective, a little girl, the little boy, her little brother's in it too, but he does not have a speaking role. The little girl speaks enough for everybody. So they, they go on all these fun adventures with their family, or with the nanny, rather. And I really wanted the parents and the child both to have... A peace of mind come from this book. I wanted the parents to be able to read it and know, okay, I'm doing the right thing for my child. I'm doing the right thing here. They are going to be taken care of. They are going to be loved and protected. And I wanted the child to know that they didn't do anything wrong. Their parents are not taking care of them because they don't love them. That's not the case at all. It's just another person in their life that is going to love them and protect them. And so it's really twofold. So though it is a children's book, there really is an element there that I wrote specifically for the Adults.
1: so in terms of mary poppins would you say then that mary poppins is basically uh how should we say the mold for the ideal nanny so to speak and was this a great inspiration to yourself not only in the book the nanny and me but also becoming a nanny
3: Mary Poppins was always a favorite film of mine as a child. Um, though, when I watched Saving uh, Mr. Banks, I I loved the movie. I loved the story behind Mary Poppins, um, but I never actually modeled myself after Mary Poppins specifically. I took elements of it. I loved the fact that everything she did in terms of the chores or lessons that they were doing had an element of fun in it, and that's what I tend to do with the children that I nannied for. Everything had an element element of fun. Um, I, I don't tend to be as buttoned up or as proper perhaps as, as Mary Poppins. Um, but there is a lot to be learned, uh, from, from that film in terms of taking care of children. I think the best thing to learn from that film truly is the message for the parents. I know it's a, it's a, it's a movie for a child, but really, uh, you know, Mary Poppins, um, she was there to to help the father in um, the relationship with the children and I think that the nanny has to remember that though you are there taking care of the child, um, the children, you, you have an obligation to also have a relationship with the parents to make sure that you're on the same page and to make sure that what's happening at home when you're not there is working in the best interest of the child as well. So I think that that movie has many different themes in it and many different messages um, that I agree with very strongly, Um, and I think that anyone could watch that movie and see Mary Poppins as a wonderful role model, and I would absolutely agree with that. But I think the strongest message of that film is that the, the nanny and the parents are working on those relationships, and you see how that trickles down to the child, and I think that's very important.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And in fact, to go one step further, where you're looking at relationships between the nanny and the parent, I think one of the greatest movies of all time, which really parlays this, which is based on a true story, is obviously The Sound of Music with Christopher Plummer and, of course, the nanny, Julie Andrews. So uh, we're almost out of time, Florence. Where is the best place for people to find your book? Um, website as well, if if you have any sort of blogs where people can follow you and learn more about you.
2: Sure.
3: Uh, my book is available through all the leading retailers, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon. You can go online, look it up and order it. Come right to your doorstep. You could go into any bookstore, and if it's not on the shelf there at that specific store, they can order it for you. My website is www.florenceannromano.com. You can order the book right there as well. And also on that website, there is a blog that um, I update weekly, All Things Nanny and Me and kind of a, a slice into the world of what's going on there and, and my secrets behind writing the book and what's, what to look forward to. I also am on Facebook, Florence Romano Author, um, and uh, I'm on social media all the time and, and doing all sorts of fun things across uh, the USA this summer, going on a book tour, and I'm uh, making sure that uh, all of my, my Facebook friends are, are following me as I'm on that journey. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to to this, this next chapter um, as uh, different families across America look at Nanny and Me, and and hopefully it helps their family and helps them through this wonderful transition in their life and, and makes it as seamless and beautiful and fun as possible.
1: Florence Ann Romano is our guest. The book is Nanny and Me, and as she puts, the nanny is mom and dad's eyes, ears, and heart. Thank you so much for joining us, Florence, and we wish you all the best of success.
3: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: And check our blog out at talk-radio.ca for all the contact information if you missed it. During the broadcast, you're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio, talk that transcends. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416 230 8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at
1: Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted, Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812 between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark, which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and visit our website, www.Niagara'sMostHaunted.com Be afraid. Be very afraid.
0: Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with Dr. Peter Sacco on radio that and RTDS.ca.
1: Matters of the mind, where everything on your mind matters to us. Each every week, every show, keep your emails coming to me, your messages on Facebook, messages on Twitter, which I am even more and more flattered with that. So many of you are really catching on and loving our show, which is a great thing. And as we talked about earlier in the show, we are definitely excited and pleased to have partnered up and have on our show each and every week now. Abuse hurts which we're also going to have. Part of Abuse Hurts is another organization, a nonprofit organization specializing in issues related to kids, as well as called Childgate. And the guy that we have on is the founding director of Abuse Hurts International, as well as the U.S. Division, and he's now the president of Childgate. Now would be our good friend Sanderson Lang. How are you, Sanderson?
2: I'm terrific, Peter. Good to hear from you.
1: Well, we we talked about it. Todd brought it up at the beginning of the show, and absolutely, I was totally floored to uh, got the message oh, about a week ago, a week or so ago, that Living Clean, Living Well would no longer be on the airways on television, which is you know brought a tremendous service and help to people out there hurting uh, those with addictions, those with mental health issues, and that is now gone. Um, very very sad to hear.
2: Well, it is. It is disappointing. Uh, you know, I've served as executive producer for the show for the past five years, and uh, you know we have had a great run and uh, such a great response from our viewers. And in fact, our ratings uh, were fifty uh, percent higher than last year. So the the show is really growing in uh, popularity, and it's our hope. Uh, we've had a, a tremendous interest from viewers and from some of our former uh, guests in uh, wanting to revive the show and to uh, bring it back. So uh, I haven't heard of any of the results, uh, but maybe that's a story that hopefully we can break on your show at some point in the future.
1: Absolutely. And for anybody listening out there that is a fan of Living Clean, Living Well, and you have followed it or follow Abuse Hurts, um, go to abusehurts.ca and you can kind of keep your hands on the pulse. So with that said, Sanderson, Um, You are now the president of a new nonprofit organization which I guess is kind of like in the umbrella of abuse hurts called Childgate. Can you tell us about that?
2: Well, Childgate is uh, an organization that came about a number of years ago and it was a result of looking at the impact of children who were being harmed while in the care of the professional social service community. Uh, they were at a Children's Aid Society, Child and Family Services. Uh, they were being looked after because their circumstance was such that they, they needed extra help. They needed to be with a new family. Uh, they needed foster care, things of that nature. But we were looking at the stats of what was happening with these children. And in Ontario, for example, we were seeing that there were over, uh, in some cases, a 100 children a year who were dying. While well, in the care of a children's aid society or some other form of uh, child protection. And we were astounded that such a thing could, should, could possibly be happening. Uh, so we created Childgate as a way of informing the public about these kinds of circumstances and others where ch- children need protection. And, of course, Abuse Hurts as an organization has been for over the past 22 years, uh, you know, fighting for the rights of uh, abused children and neglected children, uh, newborn babies that are discarded, uh, and really has been the front runner in this whole area. So uh, you know it's really very much uh, uh, our hats off to Abuse Hurts for the work that they've done to really bring this issue to light.
0: So for those of us that that aren't quite familiar with the with the relationship between. Childgate and some of these children's aid societies and, and places that help children in need. What What is the role? Do you have any overseeing role? Do you have any ability to um, uh, act on behalf of children? Or are you merely just trying to get the word out and publicize some of the stories?
2: Now, this is, uh, this is a, a, uh, a public awareness objective uh, where our role at Childgate is to make the public aware of circumstances that are impacting on children uh, that are extremely negative, uh, that really needs a public response and maybe a public policy response. Uh, you know, we, we see so many circumstances in which children uh, are treated poorly, are neglected, uh, and, uh, you know, look at the issue of uh Uh, native children who went through the residential school experience, Mm -hmm. just an an absolute atrocity uh, in in our history. Uh, Who's speaking out for these children, who's bringing, you know, there's over 4,000 children that have currently been identified who went into those schools that never came out. Where are they? these are the kinds of issues that Gate wants to bring to the public attention
0: and you're going to obviously be bringing these before government agencies as well as well as the media the
2: the media government uh, you know whatever the appropriate agencies might
1: be so Sanderson if you were to put your finger on one issue that is key that are you know as at the root of the matter that are affecting kids today especially those that are winding up in foster care um, those that you know the breakdown of the family in the first place. What is it like? There are so many kids that are winding up in foster care today, and I've been asked this many times. Why? How would you, how would you answer that?
2: Well, you know, there's a there's a, a you know it's not the fault of the children. <laughs> That's the first and foremost thing. Uh, there's two factors. That, uh, you know, we live in a society right now. Uh, that is in a, a great deal of uh, upheaval. The society is dysfunctional. And, and so that impacts on families, and you hear of dysfunctional families, uh, you know, parents that are experiencing emotional difficulties, uh, marriage breakdowns, you know, you look at the marriage failure rate. There's a lot of reasons why families end up uh, needing help, needing assistance. And the kinds of policies that we have, uh, you know, are not sufficient to protect the children of those families. Uh, in some cases, you know, where there are children who have been removed from families, uh, you know, the, the people who have been involved in circumstances like that, the children themselves, end up feeling like they've been kidnapped from their families and uh, that the what they've been subjected to is far worse than anything they ever experienced in their families, whatever difficulties the family had. So, you know, we, we have to take a look societally at what's going wrong uh, in our families, uh, what's wrong with our parenting, and what's wrong with our social system that we can't seem to keep up with this
1: one of the interesting things that i was asked and i see this many times anderson is and this is like a chicken or egg phenomenon in its own self you know in its sorts kind of like what came first the the addiction or you know the mental health problem and sometimes people will say you know does does the child is the child born with some sort of mental health issue or predisposition towards one and the the parents are young or they're not socially intellectually or even financially adequate to deal with the child. Therefore they literally, and I use this term in a a very negative sarcastic sense, they throw the baby out with the bathwater because they're saying, Hey, I never wanted to be a parent in the first place. I can't deal with this. So I'm going to give the kid I want the kid to go to the foster home. And the parents literally relieved that they don't have to deal with this as they would say it's not my problem anymore, which is a really terrible way of looking at it. Or is it that the today's families a lot of these families are so dysfunctional that the mental health disorder is starting in the family the child gets and then has to be taken out and put in a foster home to try to rectify the problem
2: Well, i, I think uh, you're making an important distinction peter because the uh, you know there are some circumstances where the children may be predisposed to have particular problems emotional problems but i think in the vast majority of cases this is a a circumstance of the child rearing and the way the child has been brought up in the environment in which that child lives and learns and loves. And I think, uh, you know, it's it's a factor where the responsibility for uh, parenting and nurturing a child uh, is is not universally felt. When Canadians are polled about their attitudes towards children. They say that, you know, uh, children are our greatest resource, children are our future, uh, all these wonderful attributes that they give to children and the importance of children. And yet, if you look at where Canada stands in the world in, in terms of its treatment of children, uh, it's a very disturbing result. You know, the, the The number of children that are living in poverty in Canada, uh, ever since Canada signed on to the uh, United Nations Convention for the Child, the the number of children living in child poverty in Canada has gone up, hasn't gone down. So there's something about how we're helping children that is missing the mark uh, completely.
0: So I was going to say that it sounds like it all comes down to money, because if there were more money for services, we'd have more people providing services. We'd have better enforcement of existing services so that there wouldn't be uh, there would be fewer incidences of, of mistreatment. But f- from listening to you talk now, it's not only money, but it's policy. It's, it's governmental policy so that making it easier and, and uh, uh, more impactful in the way these services are delivered
2: you know, I think you know money's a factor, but I think you're right. I think it really comes down to the, the value that we put on a child's life. How can you have a 100 children die in child protection? How can you have a circumstance in which a child is, is worse off? Now, I want to be clear that, you know, uh, we are not saying that all Circumstances with uh, child protection and, and children's aid societies, etc., are horrible. Uh, there are, you know, good people out there participating in it. My parents were foster parents. They they took in children from children's aid, and they were great parents. And there are lots of others that are out there that do a great job. However, the policies. Are not effective enough to deal with circumstances in which the people involved are not the best people to have children placed with them. And in fact, uh, you know, uh, I've had I've had some children who've gone through the system say to me that the you know children's aid societies are 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 just uh, you, know, uh, you know a way of pimping out children. And uh, you, know, the, you, you don't have to go to, uh, you don't have to go to, uh, you know, pedophiles don't have to go anywhere. Children's aid will deliver the children to your door. Now, that's a pretty dramatic and drastic statement for, you know, somebody. And these are now adults who went through the system as children. So the, the system is failing uh... some children and when it does fail when it doesn't hit the mark it misses the mark terribly and i think that that's really the point
1: uh... we have just over a minute left sanderson before we let you go where can folks learn more about ChildGate and what can they do to help you guys
2: well we'll be uh... we're just coming out with our new website uh... and uh... you know we'll be listed as a a resource uh, I would suggest they go to uh and uh, we'll be one of the resources that will be listed there.
1: Thanks so much for joining us, Anderson, and we will be probably having you again in the weeks to follow along with Ellen, Helen, and yourself, and uh, whatever you guys each and every week bring to our show, it only adds so much more to it. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks,
0: Todd. And you're welcome. And I hope we can uh, provide some impetus to get living clean, living well back on the air. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. Talk that transcends.
1: As we said, May is mental health month uh, right across our wonderful nation. And we're going to keep it going with another great guest next week. And it seems to be children's theme, which I think because. It's awesome because let's help them when they're young. And we have Kimberly Moran next week. Uh, She is with the Children's Mental Health of Ontario, a great organization, and she is going to bring wonderful insights into her show about mental health issues that surround kids. So we hope to hear and see you again next week. And when I say see, I want to see more of your questions coming on Facebook. Twitter and to my personal email thank you so much
0: absolutely and share our show you can find us every Wednesday at 8 p.m at talk-radio.ca it's on podcast we're on Twitter we're on Facebook you cannot avoid us so hopefully you won't avoid us and we will catch you right back here next week on Matters of the Mind You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Reach him on his website, petersacco.com, or you can reach him through listen up at talk-radio.ca. We really thank you for listening. Reach out to us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash listen up talk radio. On Twitter at, at listen up talk. We'll catch you next week.
1: You don't need no pills. man is not your man.
0: That's why